0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: If you do recruiting and hiring for your agency, here's a tip. Focus more on what job candidates know how to do and not so much on where they learned it. The Office of Personnel Management is out with guidance on this very strategy. Here with the latest Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. So tell us, Drew, what is OPM advising people to do? What are they trying to do to the venerable hiring process in the federal government?
2: Federal hiring managers often use things like self-assessments and education level to decide if applicants are qualified for a job. That's the current structure for it. But at the end of that process, some hiring managers can end up with a list of candidates who aren't really fit for the opening or what they're looking for. And that can lead to a lot of frustration. Sometimes they'll cancel cancel the hiring effort altogether. So in response, OPM is telling agencies to emphasize what they call skills-based hiring. So that values all relevant skills for the role, whether that's learned in the classroom, on the job, or on one's own. And OPM director Kieran Ahuja said that focusing on what an applicant can do, not necessarily where they learned it, will help expand applicant pools and then eventually narrow that down to what they're looking for.
1: Right. The danger is because they went to Harvard, you might think they know how to do something and that can get you in trouble and just get the wrong person in.
2: Exactly. Just kidding about (laughs) Harvard,
1: but you know what I mean.
2: A broader view on how relevant experience is defined, OPM says that will let more candidates demonstrate their skills. And that also ties to another strategy from the White House, and that's just talked about quite frequently, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And Ahuja said that the guidance will help remove barriers to employment for underrepresented groups. So maybe someone who didn't attend college but wants to work for the government, historically that person may not have been able to, to get through for some types of jobs, but the guidance is hoping to change that. I spoke with a federal hiring expert, Joe Paiva, who is pre- uh, vice president of HireVue and former chief information officer at the International Trade Administration, and he said that the way federal job descriptions are written can create barriers to more diverse and more qualified candidates receiving job offers.
0: One of the challenges in government is that we write job descriptions so tightly that unless someone's an insider, they have no chance of getting the job. And so what ends up happening is you, you recycle the same people over and over, right? As a result, when you look at the government workforce, it doesn't resemble the population it's meant to serve.
1: And that's Joe Paiva of?
2: Higher View and former chief information officer. At the International Trade Administration. All
1: right. And so OPM guidance now, this is kind of interesting because they used to have essays in the federal government to apply called KSOs, Knowledge, Skills, and Abilities, KSAs, I should say. It sounds like skills and abilities, essays, are what you're looking for. But for years, they tried to get rid of the KSAs because they were just essays and not reality. What will OPM's new guidance look like now? What do they think will happen in practice, Drew?
2: So as part of this memo and the guidance that OPM put out, they released what they call a guide to better occupational questionnaires, and that's for the early stages of hiring. So those surveys are ones that are filled out by the job applicants themselves, and it's used by hiring managers to determine how fit those early process candidates are to the opening on hand. So in the guidance, OPM details how agencies should change the questionnaires to open it to more diverse backgrounds and experiences. So things like using clear language and broadening the questions can let applicants show their skills more easily, and that would lead to bigger applicant pools with more qualified candidates. And they also recommended removing government jargon that people outside the government might not easily understand. So if the questions are too specialized, that can unintentionally remove some strong candidates without giving them the opportunity to convey their skills. And again, Paiva compared these types of specialized questions for applicants to a very well-known metaphor, which is football.
0: They have a player who can run very fast, has incredible hand-eye coordination, can jump three feet in the air, has lightning fast reflexes, right? Those are things I test to see whether or not I want someone on my team, right? Whether or not they're a great athlete, as opposed to what the government will have the tendency to do is tell me how many Super Bowls you've been in, how many passes you caught in each Super Bowl, and how many times you ran out of bounds.
1: Not a bad metaphor. And OPM Drew is also bringing up the subject matter expert and their role in hiring. And this is something you would think is obvious, but I guess it hasn't been.
2: Right. So they are focusing on using subject matter experts or SMEs to help with the hiring process for roles that are more specialized. So things like technology jobs, hiring managers don't necessarily know the details or what types of skills might be most beneficial to those roles. So these experts, SMEs, they include roles like first-level supervisors and high-performing incumbents in similar positions. So they have an inside look that, and a more day-to-day understanding of the practical skills that are needed to perform well on a job.
1: So that's the subject matter expert qualification assessment, I think, is the word SMEQA?
2: Yes. SMEQA is a process within the U.S. Digital Service. It's right now in a pilot phase, but it helps agencies or it has the goal to help agencies evaluate candidates for those technical positions. And they're aiming to bring SMEs in to help hiring managers hire high-quality applicants that fit the role at hand. And they said that it's very similar to what the private sector uses and that's kind of a standard process so the government is trying to mirror that process
1: and that works especially in technical and mechanical type fields I suppose it could even work in grant applications because that's a detailed process, and you would want to know if someone has the brains to be able to figure out what's a good application or not, as well as if they're going to work on an airplane and they know one end of a torque wrench from the other. You can kind of get an idea, yeah, this person knows how to tighten a bolt. And are we seeing this actually happen, this kind of reform, anywhere in government at this point?
2: Yeah, so in addition to OPM's guidance, Congress is also pushing for similar types of assessments through the Chance to Compete Act, which the House Committee on Oversight and Reform passed back in April. That also has a similar idea of involving SMEs more intensely in the hiring process and removing focus off of education when looking for applicants. And OPM also stressed the fact that this guidance ties to the first priority of the president's management agenda, which is strengthening and empowering the federal workforce. So within that piece of the PMA. They are trying to call on agencies to attract the right talent for what they call the right roles and also to increase hiring managers' satisfaction with the hiring process overall.
1: So this new guidance then is out from OPM, and you've described it now beyond simply reading the guidance. What does OPM expect agencies to do? How are they going to ride herd and have some kind of metric for the fact that agencies are actually moving to this type of hiring.
2: Agencies have a lot of tools. Um, OPM says they can use to help them better understand the guidance and then implement it in their own practices. So first, they can use internal assessment experts for help and guidance. But OPM said they can also come directly to that agency for support to help comply with the new guidance. They're planning to hold. Um, they're planning to hold overview sessions on. The guidance for how agencies can work with it and then additional sessions following that for key areas of how the guidance can be used for hiring. And OPM says it's going to release the schedule of those sessions pretty soon.
1: And the implication in all of this is that those people that are on the line doing the work of government have got to step up to the hiring practice and not simply Consider it an HR function. I guess it never has been really an HR function, but more so than ever, you need the people that are going to be the co workers to really be part of this.
2: That's right. Ahusha definitely said in the press release that this is a really critical time to be hiring for those types of roles. You know, we're continuing, or the government is continuing to compete with the private sector and um, to hire those top talent positions.
1: Right. Of course, the difference is top talent in the private sector has an expense account and you don't ever have that in the government. So maybe someday we'll fix that one, too.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll have to see about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah no, no time soon. Don't hold your breath. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. Thanks so much. Thank you. And check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
3: Hello, I'm wife of CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations, for leadership, innovation, dedication, And commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us.
4: Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here.
3: Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader, and what about them inspired you?
4: You No, I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to, honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had a of tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her. I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there are so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually, I thought about throughout my entire career. He took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, uh, whether